Um, I think this building would do in South Temecula, right? Wouldn't this be great? Had this building, we'll take it. That would be great. Um, well, you guys are to be commended because when, uh, you know, historically, traditionally, typically, when uh, Sunday falls on January 1st, it is the least attended church day uh, of the year. Uh, and so you are to be commended. You made it. Good for you. <laughs> And, and let me just say Happy New Year to you guys. This is great. 2012. And I know I've heard from many who are very happy to slam the door on 2011. Uh, and, uh, you know, glad to see 2011 go. Uh, it wasn't so bad for me. I actually enjoyed 2011. But uh, anyway, 2012, an exciting thing. Hey, if you guys open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, um, I'm going to give you a preamble to a message this morning. Uh, and you know what that means when a pastor says he's going to give you a preamble to a message. He's going to give you a message, and then you're going to get another one. No, you're going to be in Acts chapter 2 briefly. As you make your way there, I'll just simply say this. The, the, uh, the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And it's interesting, that word benefits, it literally means God's dealings. And the idea is that God deals out to every single one of us uh, these blessings, these, these, these benefits. Um, and, um, and along these lines, you know, we read in Philippians 4, 6, it tells us there, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to let your requests be made known to God. And that attitude of, well, gosh, you know, why not be anxious? Well, you're to pray. And, and in the process of praying, uh, Paul tells these Philippians, you, you need to make sure that thanksgiving is a part of it. And why is that? Well, because when we are praying with thanksgiving, well, to be thankful, you have to be thinking through all of the things in your life that you have to be thankful for. Uh, and so what it does is it, it causes you really to take inventory of God's faithfulness in, in your life. And so when you do that, the natural result is that your faith is going to be built up. And so when you're in a situation where you're anxious about something, well, in the process of praying about that issue, as you recall all these other things, you, you realize and remember and re reminded that, hey, you know what? God's faithful. He's been here for you before. Dead, he'll be for you again. You can just trust in that. And so this is that attitude. And so we bless the Lord. We forget not his benefits. We forget not the fact that he has dealt very graciously to us in the past and he will in the, in the future as well. As we begin the new year um, and we reflect all on all that God has done, it's that opportunity really to do just that, just to reflect as a body of believers and go, Man, look at how faithful God has been to us this year. So I just wanted to start off just, just recalling just a couple of the highlights of what God has done for us as a body of believers here at Reliance Church that really 2011 has been uh, amazing. We saw the church double in size this year. Um, the, the Bible says, and we're going to read here in Acts chapter 2, that the Lord adds daily to the church such as should be saved. That's his business. Our business isn't to, to engineer or to grow anything. Our business is to teach the word. It's God's, God's business to grow the church. And God has grown us, and we've doubled in size, in size this year. And, and in that, we've seen a lot of people, we've seen many come to saving faith 
in Jesus Christ and make him their Lord and Savior. And, and not only that, we've seen many who have been Christians for many years grow in their faith this year. And we get letters all the time, uh, and they're really a blessing. And I, I wanted to share just an excerpt of one that we received recently um, that just sort of sums this up. And it, and it reads this, quote, you guys have been a real blessing to us, you guys referring to the church, uh, and a needful part of our lives. We found Jesus at Reliance Church. We'd always heard his name, but never heard him speak until we came to this church. And, I, and those kind of letters just wake me up in the morning. And, and you can have the worst day in the world and read that. And, you know, what we found Jesus at Reliance Church. What greater thing can you hope to hear that this is, this is you know, we found Jesus there. When, you, when your tagline is simply Jesus, you better hope that these are the things that people will say. Um, so in addition to, to this growth and in addition to seeing people saved, we saw dozens of kids saved this year at our VBS and Awana uh, ministries and, and just so blessed with the faithful servants that we have there. Uh, we baptized 10% of our church this year. Um, we uh, doubled our midweek growth groups. We conducted several marriage and parenting classes this year and, and saw uh, several marriages healed. Um, we had uh, uh, not one, not two, but three different couples that actually came to see us saying, you know, we're just going through the motions. We're actually headed for divorce court. Uh, and through the process of counseling and marriage ministry and so on, uh, marriage is radically healed. And so we're grateful to the Lord for that. Um, we, we established a mops ministry uh, this year, and we're, we're able to bring uh, Sarah on staff to, uh, to do that ministry. And so now we're ministering to mothers of preschoolers. And, and the cool thing about this ministry, as I've shared with you before, is it's not just, you know, geared towards Christians and those that are going to church, but it's geared towards Christians and non-Christians alike. It's a great evangelistic tool, and, and we see uh, the Lord ministering through that. Um, we planted another Reliance Church in Bountiful, Utah this year and, and uh, sent the, the team out not only to, to head that up, but also uh, subsequent teams out to support and to build out. Many of you were a part of that. Uh, and I could just go on and on. I mean, we had retreats this year. We did a marriage retreat with Don McClure and the men's and women's retreats. We had our youth retreats where, you know, kids got radically saved and you know, special events. We had the date night with Evan Wickham and uh, our Labor Day picnic and our baptism barbecues here uh, on the campus uh, uh, here. And just, you know, the bottom line, God's doing incredible work. He's doing a lot in Reliance Church and a lot through Reliance Church. And, you know, Reliance is not a corporation, Reliance Church. It, it's, it's, it's not at all a corporation. Rather, it's a collection of people. It's made up of us individually as members. And so what it what it's really about is as you guys are discovering and using your spiritual gifts, God's using you to minister to other people and that is what we're experiencing together. And that's where the power comes in that as we gather together as believers, God does this radical transforming work that that really only he can do. Now, here's where I'm going with this. If God has called you to be a member of Reliance Church, as we look forward to 2012, I want to challenge you and, and ask you to prayerfully consider two questions, okay? Two questions for this year. The first question is, what does God want to do in and through you in 2012? That's the first thing I would pray that, that you would just prayerfully take a walk with. And, and the second question is a companion to that, and it would be, what's your plan to get there? What does God want to do in you and through you this year? here on the first day of the year. And what's your plan to get there? It's been said, if, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, 
right? And so I, I'm just wondering, what, what's your plan? You know, if, okay, this year I feel God's calling me really to get serious about, about reading his word. All right, what's your plan for that? This year I'm going to be a better husband. Cool. What's your plan for that? This year I, I'm going to really focus on, on sharing my faith with other people. Great. What's your plan for that? See, because I, I just really over, overwhelmingly feel this, this burden of the Lord just to, to exhort you in 2012. And we talk about time being short. It truly is. And what God desires to do in us and through us is everything. We don't just gather together at church. You guys aren't here, and I'm preaching to the choir, but you're not here at 9 o'clock in the morning after having stayed up, most of you, past midnight to celebrate the New Year's and, and come in dragging in. You're not here just to, to go through the motions, I hope, and not just to check off in your Franklin planner that you came to church. But I'm praying that you are here because you're serious about your walk with the Lord. You want to grow in the knowledge and the image of, of, of Jesus Christ. And toward that end, the Bible's clear that God has a work that he wants to do in each one of us. And so that's my exhortation to you guys uh, today. Now, we're, I asked you to turn to Acts chapter 2. And we're going we're gonna to pick it up, actually, um, in, uh, in verse 40. But uh, leading up to that, basically what's, what's happened is God has poured his Holy Spirit out upon the church. He's poured his Holy Spirit out on the disciples. Jesus, having been with them three and a half years of intense instruction, Emmanuel University graduates, all these apostles are, you know. And Jesus says, now, I'm, I'm going to the Father, but, but you know, I, I have work for you to do. But until... I want you to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then I want you to get busy, basically. And so that's what they do. And um, so we pick it up in verse 40. Basically, the, they, they waited upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. And now what happens is they go out and they begin just, they're all speaking in tongues. And we'll talk about this next week. And in in, as we get back into 1 Corinthians next week. And, and basically proclaiming the word of God. And Peter's preaching. And he says in verse 40, and with many other words, he, he, that is the apostle Peter, testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And now if that's true 2000 years ago, how much more true uh, is that today in, in that we live in a perverse generation? Verse 41 says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3000 souls were added to them. A lot of people talk about, well, gosh, I hate big churches and, and you know, it's just, the, it's not biblical, not true. I mean, the, the mega church was the first church on day one, you know, 3000 souls added to them. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. And I just ask you the question, what, what have you ever been steadfast in? I mean, as for me, it's hard for me to be steadfast in, in anything. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm thrilled that I've been steadfast in my marriage, 27 years. I consider, wow, steadfast in that. But, you know, there's very few things in life that we are steadfast in. And here they continued steadfastly. We're going to see in four things. The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. They continued steadfastly in the word of God, in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly, steadfastly in fellowship. You know, the Bible says that we're to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And so the fellowship that we have one with another uh, is, is facilitating just that. Um, 
And uh, they continued in the breaking of bread. And this really is just the partaking of the Lord's Supper, the the communion, the bread and the cup, as Jesus uh, commanded that we should do. And and they did that on a regular basis. Uh, And in prayer, something very important, very needful, uh, something many of us neglect, but they continued steadfastly in it. Now, what was the result of that? Very next verse. Then fear came upon every soul. Uh, And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and they had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Just the heart of love and connection that they had. This this heart of unity and this desire to sacrificially give for one another. It's just the love of God being poured out abroad in their hearts. And you see it manifested in the way that, that they related to people versus things. Um, verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, that's for their, the temple would be where they would gather like we do on Sunday corporately, all together in one large assembly, uh, and breaking bed from house to house, just as we would do in our, in our uh, growth groups, in our home fellowships. Um, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Super healthy model of a church. And I I share this with you going into 2012 uh, because this is our heart in regards to um, just what we're going to do as a body of believers here. We wanna make sure that this is the template that we're following. So with that in mind, I just wanna kind of give you very quickly sort of 2012, some things that we're we're going to look forward to. uh, And then I'm gonna invite Pastor Cody up uh, and turn things over to Pastor Cody. So in 2012, our objectives, as always, make disciples, plant churches. That's what we're all about. Making disciples, planting churches. And really discipleship is our priority. That we wanna, we wanna raise you up to know the Lord, to know his word, to know how he's gifted you, to know how he's called you. And we want you to be faithful to use your spiritual gifts. And we wanna train you and equip you in how you will use your spiritual gifts in service of the Lord, however he may di- dictate. And what the natural result of that is gonna be is that you're gonna grow, you're gonna mature. The issues that you come in through these doors today carrying the burdens and the struggles and the the fears and the hopes and the dreams and the aspirations and all of these things, as you become a healthy disciple of God, these things are gonna fall into place in your life. Life is going to, you know, you've got a choice in any given matter. You're gonna either do things God's way or you're gonna do things your way. And we know that there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And how many of you experience that? You go into something, you think, I know how to do it. And I'm gonna go forth in this way. And you go forth in that way and train wreck. That didn't work out the way that I thought it should. So we wanna disciple you. We wanna equip you to know the Lord and, and to serve him. And, uh, and so uh, we're gonna, our chief end in that discipleship process is to focus on uh, the apostles' doctrine. We're going to teach you God's word, and we're going to do it in many different uh, facets. 
Um, we're going to uh, be putting on a Christian Foundations class in February. Pastor Cody uh, has been telling you guys about it. Um, and uh, and they, again, that's just to help uh, many of you just to, to be able to, hey, these are the foundations of the faith. These are the things that we have to make sure we've got nailed down. That's coming up in February. We've got uh, marriage and parenting uh, training coming up. We have a marriage seminar coming up in February. We have two new marriage studies that are starting up, uh, one on Tuesday nights, one on Thursday nights. Uh, and by the way, registration for those is today. Uh, and so you can do that uh, today. Um, we have the Truth Project that's coming out later this month. You can watch your bulletins for that. Uh, we're going to be offering um, some classes on how to, how to study and how to teach God's Word. And so you can be looking forward to that coming up as well. Men, we're going to be giving you classes and, and training on how to be leaders. How, are, how can you be a leader in your home? How can you be a leader in, in your neighborhood and in your business and in, 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 in the things that God has entrusted you with? And so we're going to be doing that. And we have our growth groups, which are going to be resuming next week. And uh, we have several new growth groups, God willing, that we're also going to be establishing. And I would just exhort you, if you're not plugged into a growth group, that you need to be plugged into a growth group. Um, that's, uh, you know, focusing on apostles' doctrine. We also are going to have many fellowship events. Let me just say this. If you're a member of this church and you're not connected, you don't know a lot of people, you need to take advantage of the fellowship events that we're going to have. Uh, again, this isn't, a, this isn't just a corporate calendar issue that I'm talking about. This is essential that you guys would have people that you have as friends, people that, you know, if you were going through some sort of trial and you were to pick up the phone and call somebody, I would hope that you would have the type of friendships that have been established in this fellowship, that those are the people that you can call upon. And if you're lacking that, man, that's the difference between having a church family that uh, will be part of a transfer, transformative process in your life and not. And so I would just exhort you that if you're lacking that, you need to take advantage of the fellowship events that are going to be uh, happening. Um, another thing we're going to be having and signups uh, start today for them is our women's fellowship. There's a brunch that's taking place on the 21st of this month, ladies. And I would just say, if, if you need to get better connected, get signed up for that um, today. Uh, breaking of bread, you know, that this is one of the things they continued steadfastly. As I told you, this is, you know, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we primarily do that in our church services. And something that's exciting that we're doing in 2012, we're adding a third service uh, in 2012. Um, and we're going to add an 8 a.m. service uh, and we're going to have it up at the Vineyard Campus. So uh, for those of you that are early risers, uh, in March, we're going to add an 8 a.m. service. Uh, the worship's going to be an acoustic-style uh, worship, uh, and uh, so a slightly different worship style. We'll have full children's ministry and all that, so, um, so know that, that that's coming up. Um, we're doing that by necessity, by the way, so um, uh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, and finally, prayers. Um, we have a couple things about that. We, we have two prayer groups that are beginning this month. We're going to have, first of all, uh, an intercessory prayer group, and we're going to have more information on that uh, in the coming weeks, uh, the day and the time. The other thing we're going to do uh, in regards to prayer is we're going to be having a church planting prayer group. This is something that we did weekly in, in advance of planting uh, Reliance Bountiful. And, uh, and so we, uh, once we got them well established, we, we transitioned that prayer group to a monthly prayer group. <clears throat> and we're going to be converting that back to a weekly prayer group. And let me tell you why. 
we, because we've been praying specifically uh, that having planted Reliance Church Bountiful uh, in 2011, we were praying, Lord, we want to plant another church uh, in 2012, if you'd be so gracious to let us do that. And, uh, and so in praying through that, uh, Pastor Cody uh, came to me and told me he feels called to lead our next church plant. Uh, and so we're very excited uh, about that, and I'm going to have him tell you more about it. But uh, Pastor Cody has an idea about a specific uh, location that uh, he feels called to. Uh, and, uh, and again, you know, I've got more stuff in my notes to, to tell you about it, but rather I'm going I'm to let Cody do that, and Cody's going to actually give us the message today as well. So all that is a preamble to say welcome to 2012. Uh, I hope you brought your big boy pants, guys, because it's time for us to get to work and be men, right? Amen. And let's welcome up Pastor Cody. Good morning. Let's turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter one. <clears throat> A couple of months ago, uh, if you'd have asked me if I would ever leave this church, I would say, no way. There's no way that God would ever, uh, not that God would ever be able to do that in me, but that I would ever decide to go out and plant a church. I've done that by helping Pastor Ted. Um, and uh, my goal, my, my direction, my vision was constantly to, uh, to be in the position where I would be here, I would be training, you know, just all that stuff that Pastor Ted was talking about in terms of training up people. That was my, that was my whole heart and my whole vision. And yet uh, a couple of months ago, back in November, um, God just caused a major shift to take place in my heart. And uh, so I, I wanted to talk through Joshua chapter one with you guys about that today. But before we do, let's pray and uh, ask God's blessing on his word. Lord God, thank you so much this morning for your love. Thank you for the way that you care for us. Thank you for the fact that we can trust in you and that you are our God. And Lord, this morning, we want to lift your name high and we want to make your name great. And so God, we pray that you would help us to do that. And Lord Jesus, that you would be the, the centerpiece and the focus of our thoughts today. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, a, a couple months ago, God caused a major shift to take place in my heart. And I was challenged with the thought and this strong desire to be, um, to be personally on the forefront of planting more churches. Uh, that's really what, what just kind of stirred all this up was just this, this, this thought that came in about being on the forefront of that. And, and earlier uh, this year, as Pastor Ted talked about, we saw our first pl church plant come into reality um, after four years of prayer. From the very beginning of planting this church, that's what we've prayed about, is that we wanted to plant more churches. We wanted to be that to be our business, and we wanted to uh, see the Lord do it. And so from the very beginning of, of starting this church, we've been praying about that. We've been asking for God's will for that. We've been asking for God's direction in that. And it's been amazing to see that happen in, in Reliance Bountiful. And as we planted Reliance Bountiful, we began to pray for God to reveal who and where the next church plant would be. Uh, we, we're, we're asking God, Lord, please show us where that's going to be. And I'm asking God, having no clue that he would even lay it on my heart to do that. Uh, just like Jesus said to his disciples, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the field. And then you read the very next thing he does is he says, okay, now you guys go. Uh, that's kind of the way I feel. Uh, Jesus kind of tricked me into this whole thing. I'm praying about it. And then, uh, you know, he's like, all right, now it's you. Uh, and so it's just kind of this, this, this crazy, uh, thing. 
Um, and so God uh, has called me uh, to be the one to lead this, uh, this next church plant. And uh, so Micah and I are leaving Thursday. <laughs> we're not leaving forever Thursday. Uh, we're just gonna, we're gonna be going Thursday to, to have a, a, week, a week of just prayer and seeking the Lord uh, in this specific place to see God, are you leading us here? Is this where you're taking us? Because like we do with all of our church plants, and this is the, the standard that we're setting forth, is that we're praying about this church plant and we're praying about where God's leading us. There's nothing that's set in stone. There's nothing that's established. If, if you know anything about me, I'll, I'll do anything. When, we, when my wife and I moved out here, we moved out here not having a place to live or not having a job, anything like that. And God's taking care of us. Uh, so I, I got no problem doing that. But uh, we want to make sure that we are seeking God's counsel, we're seeking his will, and we're seeking his direction. And so um, God has laid on my heart uh, to go to Colorado. Uh, and so uh, we're gonna go look in Denver, Colorado, and also in Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, to go just pray and to see if this is where God would lead us. Uh, and I would ask for all of you to, to pray along those lines with me as well. Please pray that God is very clear and that he uh, tells us this is exactly what I want you to do or no, you're a fool. Why did you ever think that? Um, I'm open to either. Um, but uh, I, I just want it to be super, super clear. And so that's what we're prayerfully considering uh, is going out there. As we look at Joshua, before any of this church plant stuff came up, um, Pastor Ted had asked me to, uh, to teach this morning. Uh, and so, you know, I immediately knew that I was going to teach Joshua chapter one. Um, and, and so that, that was immediately on my heart. And, and it's interesting because God used Joshua chapter one in a big way to lead me up to be a part of planting this church, to leave uh, 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 revival and to come and to plant this church with Pastor Ted. God used Joshua chapter one in a major way uh, to stir me up and to confirm that. And now uh, I find myself here again at this time. Kind of crazy. Um, Joshua chapter one is all about Joshua hearing and responding to the call of God. And as Pastor Ted lays out for you just the vision of 2012 and what we're all about and what we plan to do, uh, and, and just in terms of making disciples and planting churches and those things, um, that's, this is the thing that I want to challenge you with this morning is that as we look through Joshua chapter one, we're seeing that it's about um, God calling Joshua and Joshua hearing that call and responding to the Lord. And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning is, is have you heard the call of God? Have you heard what God wants to do in you specifically? Have you heard what God wants to do through you specifically? And, and if you have heard that, are you responding to that? Like Pastor Ted said, what is your plan? What are you going to be doing? What, what are you setting forth in order to accomplish that? <clears throat> the big idea this morning that I want to look at is that at the center of God's calling is uh, God's faithfulness. Um, let's read together uh, Joshua chapter one, <clears throat> verses one through nine. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore arise and go over this Jordan. You and all the people, um, you and all the, all this people to the land, which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and the, this Lebanon, <clears throat> excuse me, and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, to the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. 
Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide an inheritance in the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according um, to all the law uh, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will have, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And as I said, the the big idea behind all of this is that the center of God's calling is God's faithfulness. God is, God is a faithful God. And throughout Joshua 1, 1 through 9, God puts and he keeps the focus upon his faithfulness and his ability. And as we look through and as we, we scour through these nine verses, what we see is that God is, is calling Joshua out. He's laying out for him this specific task. And along the way, he says, Joshua, it's all about me. It's not about you. You're the guy that, I, that I'm going to use, but it's about me. I am the one who's faithful. I'm the one who's calling you. I'm the one who's able. You just need to trust in me. The first two verses we see here that Joshua establishes God's calling. Um, Right there in the very beginning, it says that uh, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. And and so here is where God establishes the, the calling of Joshua. Joshua has been in a unique position in that he's had a front row seat to seeing uh, all of the dealings that God had with Moses. Everything that God did with Moses, Joshua was right there. The Bible records that Joshua was Moses' assistant. Uh, Joshua was there when they left Egypt, when all of the 10 plagues came through. Joshua was there with that. He saw that happen. Joshua was one of the spies that went into the promised land in the beginning, where the 12 spies went into the promised land and they came back and only Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report saying, yeah, there's giants, but we should go. Everyone else, all the, ten, the rest of the 10 came back giving a bad report. Joshua was there. He was one of the guys that did that. Joshua was there when uh, he saw God's provision for, for the people, that Moses would strike a rock and water would come out, that uh, Moses would go and pray to the Lord and manna would be on the ground. And God, Moses would pray to the Lord and quail would come through. He saw all of God's provision. He saw the way that God dealt with uh, Moses and as, Mo, as Moses' assistant. And as Joshua has seen over, the, over and over again, he saw that God was faithful. He saw God's faithfulness over and over and over again. In Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine, it says this, therefore know that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God. This is part of who God is. It's part of God's character. He's faithful. He's someone who we can depend upon. He's someone who we can trust in. He's someone who we can give our lives over to because he's faithful. He's never failed us. He's not going to start today. He didn't fail them then. He didn't fail the, the, as we read through the rest of the scripture. He didn't fail anybody. He hasn't failed anyone so far. And, and we can trust that he's not going to fail us. He may be leading us into things that we don't understand. He may be calling us to do things that seem too big for us or seem like we can't do it. And, and yet it's not about us. It's about God being faithful. He's the one who is going to be faithful. This word faithful in Hebrew uh, means to, uh, to be established, sure, lasting, to make firm, to be reliable, to be trusty. This is what God says about himself. This is, 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 is what he says there in Deuteronomy, that he's the faithful God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, If we are faithless, he remains faithful 
he cannot deny himself. Part of the faithfulness of God is, is it's not that God's faithful because he likes faithfulness or because he just thinks it's a good virtue to have. God's faithfulness is based upon his character. It's based upon who he is. God's faithful because that's just who he is. That's just the way that, that he operates. God's faithfulness does not depend on his emotion. It does not depend on circumstance. It's based solely and completely upon him. And so in that, when God says that he's faithful, he's referring us back to his character. And, and as God speaks to Joshua, He's drawing the attention to his character, saying, I'm faithful, I'll be there for you, I'm calling you, I'm leading you, I'm going before you, trust in me. And as God speaks to Joshua, it's at this very specific time that we see that he does so, that God chooses to speak to him. God had spoke, uh, spoken in, in time past. Uh, he had spoken even about Joshua uh, taking over after Moses. Uh, and he had, he'd been very clear about it. You can read that in Numbers chapter 27, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1 and chapter 31. These are a couple of different places where God speaks about this very specifically about Joshua being the one to succeed uh, after Moses. And um, the thing that's interesting about that is that we, we look at this, that God uh, through this had been speaking to Moses about that. And this in Joshua chapter one is the first time that Joshua is spoken directly to by God, that as the scripture records, that this is the first time that it's been God speaking to, to Joshua. He, he'd been speaking to Moses prior, but now Joshua is hearing from him. Joshua needed to hear from God personally and not just through Moses in order to be able to lead these people. And, and that's one of the things that I wanted to challenge you guys with today is are you hearing from the Lord? Is God speaking to you? Are you in a place and in a position where God can speak to you? And that if he says something to you, that you, you will hear it and then you'll take it and that you'll be faithful to move forward in the things that God has asked you to do. A lot of times the reason that we don't hear from God isn't because he's not speaking. It's because we're either not listening or we're distracted by other things. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you in a, are you in a place? Are you, are you looking to hear from God? If God was to say something to you, if God was to ask you to do something crazy, are you willing to hear it? If he asked you to lead your family in a different way, if he asked you to, to place him as the priority and as the focal point, if he asked you to, to be more bold about your faith in Christ, he, if he asked you to do these crazy things for him, are you willing to even hear it? A lot of times it's, it's not that God's not speaking. It's in fact that we just, we just don't hear it. And so uh, when we're trying to discern the will of God and we're trying to hear from God and make sure that we know it's God that's speaking to us, there's five major ways that we hear from the Lord. There's, there, there's a lot of different ways that God speaks, but there's five main ways. All these other ones kind of somehow tie into it that I just want to briefly run over with you as we speak into this idea. Um, number one, one of, the, one of the ways that God speaks is through nature. Uh, Romans chapter one uh, talks about this and also Psalm 19 uh, talk about this. You know, you're praying about something and then a bird just shows up and, you know, lands on a tree post and you're like, oh, the word of the Lord came to me through the bird, you know? Um, it's not really sure or secure, you know, but God can use nature. Uh, God's really clear in saying that he uses nature. Uh, the, the Bible says in Romans that God actually reveals his, his character, who he is, the, the Godhead through nature. Uh, an interesting thing. One of the other things that God can do, number two, is, is uh, the way that God speaks to us is through circumstance. Um, you can read about that in James chapter one. Also, 
You can look at that uh, in, uh, in the book of Acts. A lot of different circumstances are happening all the time. And, 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 and as things just happen, they, they seem to just kind of fall in, into place. When I think about circumstance and, and just our responses, I think about the way that God dealt with um, uh, 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 Peter and Paul in the book of Acts. And when, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they were both in prison, but they both had very different responses uh, to this prison, prison time. Peter was put into prison. Uh, the the, the, the apostle or the uh, believers around the area are praying for him and they're, uh, they're just praying that God would, would uh, release him from prison and an angel shows up, wakes him up, opens the, the gates of the prison. Peter walks right out and uh, is free. One circumstance, God, are you leading me out of prison? Yes, here you go. Uh, there's a circumstance, the gates are open. Another circumstance happens where uh, Paul is in prison and there's an earthquake. All of the chains fall off of everybody and the doors open and they sit there and don't leave. Uh, a completely different response to the same circumstance. And so while circumstance can be one of those things that leads you, it's nothing to, to base everything on. Just because someone randomly says something to you, that doesn't mean that, uh, that this is it. Praying, God, just shut all the doors so that uh, you know, I don't force myself into this. Yeah, that's part of circumstance, but that's not a, not so, that's not a, a wise thing to base anything on solely. Uh, circumstance. Think about Reliance Bountiful and how it, how it was established. Uh, Mike Mayo needed to sell his house. Uh, Mike and uh, Don were both able to take their jobs with them uh, to Bountiful. How crazy is that? Uh, the, the circumstances that line up showing and revealing uh, the will of God. Um, so just some things that, that, that happen there. Uh, number three, uh, one of the ways that God speaks to us is through other people. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, first Corinthians chapter 12 and other places just talk about the gifts of the spirit and how God will speak to us through other people. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you're just kind of thinking about something for the, for the Lord, or you're just asking for God's will on something. And someone just happens to say something right to you. It stands out. It's right for you. Maybe you're at church on a Sunday morning and you're thinking about something. And then all of a sudden, uh, it's just so, a word is right for you. It's as if God is speaking right to you or you're, you're going through your day and one of your friends comes up and just says, Hey, I think I got a word for you. I think I have something to say to you. Uh, God's put something on my heart and, and God uses other people to speak right to you. Um, uh, that's another way that God speaks to us. Number four, uh, we're getting, as, you're, as we're going through this, hopefully what you're seeing is we're getting a little bit more specific about God speaking. Number four, the Holy Spirit uh, or um, a still small voice or during prayer times, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, John 16, Acts 13, and 1 Kings 19 talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit and how God will speak right to you and that the Holy Spirit is going to be the one who leads. We see in, uh, in uh, Acts chapter 13, that as they're praying together uh, and, and ministering to the Lord, that the Holy Spirit says, separate unto me, uh, Paul and Barnabas for the work that I'm going to lay out for them to do. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks. It's this, uh, it can be this internal or external voice. I've never heard the voice of God, like audibly, like Cody, go do what I'm telling you to do. Like, I've never heard that. Um, some people say that they have, uh, I don't really know what to say to that other than I haven't. So I don't know what that experience is like. Um, when God speaks to me, it's, it's usually an, an internal voice where I just, I just hear from the Lord inside and just know the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. God impresses something upon your heart. And the fifth one and the most, uh, the most, the primary way, the most secure and most sure way that God speaks to you is through the scriptures. It's through the Bible. This is the word of God to us. 
you can look at, look at Psalm 119, 2 Peter 1, John 1, 1, um, and just look, look through just different scriptures about God speaking to us through the scriptures, through your daily devotions, that as you're reading, something just happens to stand out. That, that you're just reading and all of a sudden God's speaking right to you. These, these things, these concepts, these ideas stand out and you can't get away from them. Uh, that as you're going to church, just regularly ch- attending church, that, that you hear the word of God taught and God begins to speak to you through his word. And as God is speaking, it's up to us to hear. You see, all of these are variable and can be misunderstood except for one, God's word. You can misunderstand, you know, a bird doing something. You can misunderstand someone saying something to you. You can misunderstand thinking, I heard the Holy Spirit say something. You can misunderstand the circumstances of life that happen. But there's one that stands sure, one that stands firm, one that stands secure above all these others, and that's the Word of God. And God's faithfulness is through His Word to us, and we can rely upon Him. And so all of the solid confirmation of God speaking must first be run through the Scriptures before it's accepted as true. God's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to impress something on your heart that has something to do opposite with the scriptures. He's going to impress upon you that what lines up with the scriptures. And so we use the scriptures as a way to to know that uh, God is speaking. And so we see that in the first couple of verses that this is where he's he's speaking. And then in verses three through four, what we see is that God establishes Joshua's direction. God gives Joshua his calling and he gives him direction or vision. God's the one who establishes the vision. It's not us. We don't come up with our vision or our ideas or what we want to do or what we want to accomplish and then say, God, I hope you like it. Uh, One of the worst ways to to take a wife is to say, I like that one. Jesus, I hope you do too. Um, Don't do that. That's not smart. Um, you should say, God, what do you want? <laughs> Let me see that first, you know? Uh, and, and so in terms of establishing this vision, we need to, we need to get it from, from him. Uh, in verse three, God says, I have given you. It points us back to our need to re- rely upon God and his faithfulness, right? It's God's faithfulness. It's him relying on him and, and making sure that he's at the center of, it, of everything. This vision is general in direction. It's not a detailed outline right? That's not what he gives him. He says, I want you to cross the river and I want you to take over everything. It's very general in direction. It's very specific, but it's not very detailed. Um, it's very specific, but not very detailed. Having this resolve is what helps keep you on course. Joshua knew what God was calling him to. He knew what the vision was. And because he knew that, he was able to stay on course along the way. Um, And as he was going, God would reveal the steps as he goes. You look through Joshua and every step along the way, it says that God spoke to him again and he gave him some very specific direction. Here's how I want you to cross the river. Here's here's the next city that I want you to go and overtake. Here's the people uh, that I want you to deal with. Here Here are the things that you need to address with the people at this stage. And so all along the way, Uh, God was laying out the details for Joshua and showing him, here's what you need to do uh, every step of the way. Um, So God would reveal the details. In Matthew chapter 25 and Luke 19, Jesus gives us two different parables uh, that illustrate the people being entrusted with with a stewardship and their measure of faithfulness to that stewardship. In both of these parables, Jesus states that if you're faithful with a little, then you can be entrusted with more. Joshua's faithfulness and obedience to each step opened up the door to continuing to receive more direction and more vision from the Lord. I want to challenge you with this. If you feel like you're not hearing from God, then it might very well be that you haven't done what he's already told you to do. 
He's not gonna tell you to do something more if you haven't been faithful to do what he's already told you to do. He may have already spoken to you. He may have already given you clear direction. It's up to you to just now do it. In verses five through nine, what we see here uh, is that he's establishing Joshua's heart. So he establishes Joshua's calling. He establishes the direction for Joshua. And now he's going to establish Joshua's heart. And what we see in verses five through nine is that the task that God puts in front of Joshua is far too big for him to handle. Uh, And God does this on purpose. Number one, so that God alone gets the glory. And number two, so that uh, Joshua remains humbly dependent upon his God. Joshua could easily lose heart in the face of this daunting task. And so God puts the focus back upon his ability and upon his faithfulness. Essentially what God is communicating is, I've got it all under control and you can trust me. In these five verses, God says, be strong and courageous three times. He also says, uh, I will be there with you or I'll be there for you three times. God's speaking to him over and over and over again. I'm going to be with you. You can trust me. Be strong. Don't be strong in yourself. Be strong in me, is what God says. And as God lays out this measure of responsibility for Joshua in verses 7 and 8, he puts the focus on his word. He says, meditate in my word. Put my word inside of you. Be faithful to do my word, because that is how I'm going to lead you. Not only hearing or reading or meditating on it, but the command is to purposefully put it into practice. And so God finishes up with an exhortation to Joshua with the promise that he would be, be with Joshua wherever he goes. As Joshua moved forward, it was with the confidence that God had spoken to him and that God would be with him. I want to leave you with uh, one, final, one final couple of verses about God's faithfulness. It's actually the verses that God spoke to me a long time ago and what I would consider uh, life verses, I guess if you can call it that. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24 say this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24 says, he who calls you is faithful who also will do it. God is, God is responsible for the calling and he's also responsible for the doing. It comes down to us.